Chapter 13 Hostess Wars and Witchcraft After the barbecue, I remember walking back to the house carrying the sandy gnome. But other than that, I have no idea how I got to my bed. In the morning, I was deeply sleeping when I was awakened by pounding on my front door. Blinking and groggy, I see that it is Chanino, holding a piece of patio furniture from my rooftop. Signora! He pushes past me, drops the ottoman in my living room and rushes to my back patio. Look, Chiraco! What? I follow him, grabbing my robe around my loose nightclothes. He shows me a red dust cloud out in the horizon over the ocean towards Africa. Visions of angry Greek gods come to mind. I dash to my bedroom and put on some clothes. Chanino hurries to the rooftop to grab furniture. I join him and we hastily gather as many items as we can. A Scirocco travels miles from the Sahara and is known to carry lawn furniture 10 kilometers away. I see my neighbors doing the same and I see that several who were abroad have left their furniture out. Chanino and I have a lot to do. Chanino says, you stay inside, and begs a hasty retreat to batten down what he can outside before hell's fury arrives. I'm left in my villa with lawn furniture, plants and beach towels strewn all around me. I take a quick shower in case we lose power soon. What on earth have we conjured with our mock ceremony? It does feel like divine retribution. My phone rings. It is Roxy. Are you okay? She says. Yes. What do I do? Stay inside. Do you have fresh water to drink? Plenty of food? I think so. Then just stay inside and I'll check on you later. She hangs up. I feel like Dorothy, but without Toto to snuggle. I suppose this is normal for them, I think, but it's not normal for me. When the Scirocco hits, I can see what looks like funnel clouds headed our way across the sea. It wasn't long before gale force winds struck the oasis of the gods. Palm trees whip left and right and the sky fills with red sand. Again, there is pounding on my door. It was Matty who'd rushed to me from Reggio to make sure I was safe. He blasts in the door, carrying a small white puppy with black tiny button eyes. Toto, I think. Sweetly, he says, I save him on the road. We have a baby now. My eyes wide, I ask, how can this cute bundle be on the road through this? Matty explains that people, they are cruel. This is not the first time I find a dog, he said tenderly. This baby was just left in a plastic bag. He couldn't get out. Then he said, at first I thought he was just a bag on the road, but there he was when I looked again. Oh my Lord, I'll never understand this, I thought. What a joy and what a terror all at once. With the eerie red hue in the air and the squealing gale outside, we comforted little Toto with water and frozen sausages warmed in the microwave. Glenda calls and asks if I'm okay. I tell her that Matteo is here. Good, she says. This should last a day and will blow over by tomorrow. We fell asleep that night with little Toto between us. In the morning, I tied little Toto with a combo of scarves and a belt, and Matteo and I wrapped scarves around our noses so we could go outside and assess the damages. The sky was still red with residual fine dust, and the whole world around us was covered in sand. I looked up to the highway where a couple of trucks were still parked on the side of the road for safety. As I walked Toto around the yard, the good news was that finally the gnome was gone. It must have been carried miles away by the gale force wind. 
Thank God for little favours. I wondered if it was a good idea to properly appease the gods next time. I was sure that we got it wrong and I no longer want to mess around with them. The phrase, when in Rome, was finally making sense to me. Glenda was at the end of the driveway, pointing and giving directions to a dishevelled man with a pickup truck and tall ladder and a woman with a small hatchback who was unloading buckets and brooms. I was relieved to see Glenda on the job and realised the value of having someone in charge here at the Oasis. Little did I know that the mayhem around me was going to take some organisation to put the place back together and the two hostesses were going to fight it out tooth and nail for who would take charge of the Oasis of the Gods. Glenda, in an unusual blunt way, approaches me and says, Who is this? We saved her yesterday. Matteo found her on the road. That's a Maramana sheepdog. They're from here. And she will get very big. Ah, I'm not sure Toto will be a good name for such a big dog. I thought to myself, well, that's a lot of information about a tiny dog first thing in the morning. And what is it to you what I name her? But of course, I didn't say that. You have to make sure you clean up after her. Well, you know. I look around. Since the whole place was covered in sand, I found the statement ironic. Yes, of course I will. She told me that there had been a power outage in several of the villas and she has hired an electrician. How did you fare? I said that we had power still, but she wanted him to check all our connections to make sure nothing was loosened. Then she looks over at the housekeeper working at a condo nearby. Roxy enlisted Elisabetta for us. If you wanted to come by, she can clear up, but you'll have to pay Roxy separately. Roxy gave her the master keys, she says cattily, and raised her eyebrows judgmentally. Well, I don't like the sound of that. She'll be taking advantage of that one. When I saw Roxy, I queried her about it. Who told you that? Roxy was affronted. She has to check out the keys with me, and then it is only for the house that she is cleaning. I bet it was Glenda who told you. I couldn't help feeling that I'd stepped in it. I avoided the subject. That's great, I said. I would like her to come to clean for me. Roxy liked the idea. Subject averted. I learned that Elisabetta was a personal friend of Roxy's. I can vouch for her, she said. Please just pay me and I will make sure she gets paid. Hmm. Shortly after that, Glinda came to me distraught. Aside from organising the electrician, she was no part in cleaning up the Scirocco, nor was she getting calls from anyone. It's like everything has changed all at once. She then proceeded to tell me that the owner of the Oasis was under house arrest. A lawyer was in charge of our business structure and mandated that we have a system of checks and balances that can be audited by local authorities. Apparently, Roxy ran with that and made herself the chief of administration or something. Did she ask you to pay for anything? I didn't want to tell her yes. The feud that was brewing was completely their affair. You have to help me regain control, Glenda said. I was amused that she said the words that must have been on her mind ever since Roxy appeared on the scene. How on earth was I supposed to help her catapult to the top of the beehive when clearly the locals liked dealing with Roxy? Joking, I said, We did a ceremony for luck the other night. Maybe something like that can help. Yes, I heard about that from Joanna. Do you think that was wise? Wise, I say. I think I know what she meant, but asked anyway. Local rituals are sacrosanct. 
and have been in place for centuries. The locals rely on them. The Romans had altars in their homes. This is serious stuff. Sometimes you find their tiny statues on the beach, right out there. Did you think it odd that there was a Shiraco the very next day? I think she is actually serious. I'm sorry about that, I say. But I'm not really sorry, but I was mystified about the luck, or rather bad luck of it. Go with me to Our Lady of Grace's festival. You see, it's a beautiful ceremony. Sailors carry the Virgin Mary through the town and submerge her in the ocean. Wishes are granted afterward. We'll both say a prayer and get on top of all of this. Then she left. I couldn't help thinking about the alphabet plaque Glenda had hung over her door. It was a guide to living right. There may be a few infractions happening here. J. Jettison grudges. Hmm. Q. Quit whining. Y. Yield gracefully. But I must say, I especially liked Z or Z for zing. And she truly has been keeping to that. We can't all be perfect. I can appreciate someone who at least aspires to it. And when all else fails, prays really hard. After hearing how close our little ceremony was to that sacred one, I was sorry. Maybe the gods did feel mocked. How was I supposed to undo that? I called a psychic that night. I did that sometimes when truly perplexed and asked what she thought of all of this. I know I was grasping, but this was all out of control and I needed something to guide me. I see travel ahead for you. You will have no choice and hold on to your money. The world will fall into crisis and you need to be ready. Well, that was frightening. She really piled it on. I poured a vodka with ice and several olives and watched the news. Yep, in fact, there was a lot of discussion about the bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers. I'm sure she knew about this. You didn't need to be a psychic to know that finances were going to crumble. I thought I was in no condition to hold on to my money nor to travel. I changed the channel and fell asleep watching Law and Order, which was always on in Italy for some reason, while Toto chewed on my flip-flops. Despite the impending darkness, next week was going to be rosy. My friends from Los Angeles called and they were going to be in Rome. They wanted to take a short flight and stay with me for a few days. Would that be all right? My friend Maud asked on the phone. Of course, I would love it. It would take my mind off the fact that I was feeling cabin fever after the news about the world finances and the possibility that this is most likely going to be my home base for quite a while. I had to face that. I planned outings and made a trip to the local nursery in preparation for my visitors. Damien and Maud were a couple who had been married for some time which was rare for film people from Los Angeles. They were great friends. I found it pleasant that when one told a story, the other would be rapt and interested, like they had never heard it before. Maud was a film writer and director, and Damien was an exec from Disney. I'm not sure what he really did, but he had great stories about famous people and ridiculous work situations. Maud had an odd psychic ability, of which she had absolutely no control. When we were just mere acquaintances, she paused mid-conversation and would say something like, I just heard something that I need to tell you. It was always on point and usually was quite personal. She would apologise for being too frank and would struggle to get back to a casual conversation. I wanted Matteo to meet them. 
When they arrived at my place, Damien was tired and wanted to take a short nap and headed to a lounger on the roof terrace. Maud followed and I grabbed some locale and glasses and joined them. It was great to see friends on my terrace. That was its intended purpose, after all. Damien started to quietly snore. Maud looked out and frowned. There are huge battles or something around here. Do you know the history of this place? I didn't, so he looked it up. In fact, this area was called Brutium in Roman times, and this was where Hannibal started the fight to retain Carthage while the Romans had them under siege. Apparently, the fighting in Brutium consisted of pirate activity. Rather than proper battles, the hills were filled with brigantines. Anyone trying to pass was attacked, plundered and sieged. It worked, apparently, and they had to move the battle to Africa. There they fought proper hand-to-hand battles. The Romans won eventually, but the brigantines were left in the surrounding hillsides. I don't know, she said, but I think the sea was red from something here. Hmm, very dark energy. I might add that the Peloponnesian War was fought in the Ionian Sea and was famous for sunken ships and thousands of sailors lost. That seems more like what I'm feeling, she said, but I couldn't help thinking about the marauders left behind. My vacation home was set right in the middle of guerrilla battlefields and Greek sea battles. My unit is the one closest to the sea, practically on the sand. I felt rather alone all of a sudden. I then remembered stories on the news recently about refugees trying to avoid war-torn Syria and Africa, landing on our shores up and down the coast. Maud said, When do we get to meet Matteo? And smiled. Phew, normality. Later that evening, Maud, Damien and I saged my unit. Maud always carried things like that. Sage to cleanse any bad energy. She had actually bought it for hotel rooms. Maybe this will help, Maud said as she wafted sage smoke through my place from corner to corner. I'll leave this with you. Whenever you think things are happening that you cannot control, just try this and the energy will shift. I'll be doing that daily, I thought. Also try putting a glass of water out and say a prayer to Santa Clara for clarity. She helps a lot. I tell you about all of this because I realise that in a place like the south of Italy, the locals rely heavily on the intangible power of saints and magic. I also realise that the opposite was possible too. Grandmothers in the mountains have been cursing all sorts of troublemakers for centuries. I might as well be armed. Warden Damien had a phrase. That works too. That phrase seemed to make sense of all things unusual and certainly useful around here. We journeyed together with Matteo up to Boba Superiore in the Calabrian mountains for an outing. I thought about the brigantines. The area was primarily Greek for centuries and the Romans had not been able to thoroughly Latinize the inhabitants. The town of Boba Superiore had many large millstone presses. I pictured olives and bergamot pressed by the Agarian locals to ensure their survival. The oddest aspect of the town was an unusual roadside attraction. In the 1980s, by order of the mayor, a 150-year-old steam engine was dragged, cajoled, hauled up the narrow mountain roads by townsfolk to be displayed in the town square next to a children's playground. The phrase only in Calabria seems to fit here. You can't miss the bright red and black engine which has pride of place amongst the medieval city walls. There were no local railroads in the area. The only rationale for that feat of strength was probably no more than to show the mayor's power. 
he was able to make impossible happen. It was never understood. But we climbed on it and posed for pictures in front of it. Matteo pushed me on the swings nearby, which was a sheer delight. It was a Tuesday and many of the restaurants were closed, but Matteo knew how to navigate the local ways and promised that we would be treated to a sumptuous meal. We drove from place to closed place until finally, Matteo parked outside of one restaurant with a nice view. He knocked and went in the door. Enthusiastically, he came out and assured us that they could accommodate us. They just needed to wake up Mama. We were treated to beautiful homemade pasta, vegetables from their garden, and even finished with a fresh baked dessert. It was clear to Maud, Damien and I that we would never understand the order of things. We just went with it. That works too! Matteo and I were never as happy as we were that day with him pushing me on the swings and having a nice couple to share the experience. I was sorry to see them leave. I couldn't help thinking that they left just before all hell broke loose.